You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. And the Bengals have become active again in free agency. Two signings coming out in the news on Tuesday. We'll talk about those. And we'll also hit a couple of noteworthy Pro Day results to finish up the show today. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast five days a week. We've got you covered for any Bengals news. And if there's breaking news and it's a big deal, We're not above doing emergency episodes. Last week, I think we did 10 episodes in the week. Maybe it was nine. I don't remember exactly. It was a lot. We've got you covered for everything breaking and daily. Make sure you follow the podcast at Locked on Bengals. The weekend mailbag is likely to return this week on Thursday. We will take your questions on Twitter. So get ready for that. Follow me at Jake underscore NFL. Follow James at James Rapine. And so ends the spiel about subscribing and following and all that stuff. James and Bengals signed some players today, Quentin Spain and Eli Apple. Let's start with Quentin Spain. And for me, this discussion really boils down to, do the Bengals think they have a right guard on this roster right now? Because I don't necessarily think they have a right guard on this roster right now. Quentin Spain tweeting that he's ready to do it again on a prove-it deal. It's a one-year deal for Spain. We do not have the financial terms yet. To me, the ideal case is Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofilo fight it out for starting left guard. The other one backs up. Maybe he backs up both guard positions, whoever loses that competition, and they bring in a starting right guard. But maybe the Bengals see this other another way. Yeah, and that's the, the concern. And that's the concern when you, you talk about some of these guys that they're looking at. I like Quentin Spain. Heck, I messaged Quentin Spain when the news broke that he was going to have the one-year deal. And he thanked me for wishing him well and all of those things. Because there was a time in October when he got released where a lot of people, including us, were like, yeah, go get him. <laughs> Please go get him. And this is a good signing. And I, I tweeted that, it, that you know this was big. And it's big because this hopefully gives the Bengals a proven depth, potentially backup swing guard that can play multiple spots. And you're right. Maybe he does beat out Xavier Suofilo. Maybe he does end up starting at left guard. I just hope, and this is the concern, that the Bengals don't say, we're good. We figured it out with guard. We got Nick Easton coming in later this week on a visit, potentially. Guess what? We are golden with Xavier Suofilo on one side, Quentin Spain on the other. You got Billy Price and Nick Easton battling it out at center, and then maybe we'll add someone in the draft. No, they they still need a a proven veteran right guard that can come in and be at least penciled in to start. Injuries happen, things happen. Maybe Spain comes in and plays his ass off and has a career year or a career training camp, right, in in hopes of having a career year and a proven deal and, and earns a starting job. But that's okay if that happens. Make them earn it. So hopefully this isn't the the last move they make and they do sign a starting caliber, pencil them in to start at right guard. The problem is, of course, is that there's only a couple of options out there that you feel good about mm-hmm. saying you're going to come in and be an average right guard. And to me, that's essentially Trey Turner and Larry Warford. 
And mm-hmm. I'm not sure where the Bengals are on either of those guys. I don't think we've heard Larry Warford's name once in this free agency process for any team. Of course, we heard about Trey Turner because he was cut. But the options at this point truly are limited. Maybe there's a trade. And, and that's certainly not something that we can anticipate unless we hear that there are trade rumors circulating. But maybe there's a trade possibility out there where they can go get somebody at right guard. But to me, the Bengals have a glut of left guards on their team. Quentin Spain, throughout his career, has played left guard. He's been great in pass protection before he went to the Bills, really. He was great in pass protection throughout his career at left guard. Xavier Suofilo, to finish the year last year, gave up zero pressures against the interior defensive lines of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were pretty damn good, the Houston Texans, who still had J.J. Watt on the team, and the Baltimore Ravens, who, if they did have a strength on their defensive line, in terms of getting pressure, I would say it was probably on the interior. Of course, we've discussed in the past that they got a lot of pressure off of blitzes. So you have a couple guys that have either recent performance, and Suofilo's historically been pretty good in pass pro at left guard, or a long history in Quentin, Spain, of performing well in pass blocking at left guard. They've been up and down as run blockers, but behind them, you've got Mike Jordan and Billy Price. Billy Price has, of course, played some right guard on this team. He hasn't really been great. Maybe he gets better if if Frank Pollock can get him back to some sort of average plus form and Trey Hopkins is healthy enough to play center, then, then maybe Billy Price could be your right guard. But again, if, if that's your plan right now, how many people listening to this show just kind of your, your skin crawled a little bit thinking that Billy Price might be plan A at right guard? Not No shade against Billy Price. I respect the guy. But if, if that's your only option at right guard and you might need him to play center, that doesn't feel like a terribly reliable plan. It feels a lot like last year, hope is a plan. And that's what we don't want to see this year. Jake, the conspiracy theorist in me has a question for you. Okay. <laughs> I have a question for you. So let's say the Bengals, they bring in Quentin Spain, feels like a backup, can play either guard spot. They like Xavier Suofilo, maybe as that that starting left guard. They have Mike Jordan, obviously, is a depth guy as well. You mentioned Billy Price, all these guys. Well, if they draft Penny Sewell with the fifth pick, I asked Riley Reef last week, hey, are you willing to, to move in and play guard if that's – what it takes, did you guys talk about that when you had those amazing stakes? And he was like, yeah, I'll play anywhere. What if the Bengals are just like, yeah, we're probably going to take Penesul. That's the plan. And Reef is going to be our starting right guard. Could be. I, I, I mean, I think there's also a world where you draft a guy like Alex Leatherwood or Dylan Raddins or one of these other short arm tackles, right? Who, who maybe they do end up at guard or maybe they need to get some NFL seasoning and, and kind of learn the league and have the game slow down for them before you feel comfortable putting them at tackle. Maybe they need some technique work, right? Maybe you're worried about their stiffness and you want to make sure that, you know, they can contribute somewhere before you try them at tackle. Could be that it's not so well. Could be that it's so well. Could be that it's not so well. And they plan to take one of those guys in the second round because there should be at least one of them available, unless you think there's going to be like 16 offensive linemen drafted in the first round. I guess maybe that's a little much. I mean, eight tackles in the first round, that would be a lot of tackles in the first round. And I think it's pretty deep at tackle into the early second round. 
Or it could mean that, yeah, exactly what you said, James. They, they plan to draft Sewell at five, and that's that. But in some of these guys we're going to talk about in the later part of the show, there there's some interesting players that you expect to be available at the top of the second round when you look at the offensive line, when you look at receiver, and the strengths kind of look like they're falling in a, in a way that's different than suggesting you should prioritize offensive line at five. And and I go back and forth on this all the time. It's been a circle for me between Pitts, Sewell, and, and Jamar Chase. I just keep going in circles. A lot of Bengals Twitter keeps going in circles. So if you're listening and you're going in circles, you're not alone. But to go back to your original question, James, I could certainly see that being the case where they're just expecting to draft an early tackle and then have flexibility with uh, with Riley Reef. And that's fine if it's early. Like, you brought logic to it. If they're just banking on Sewell being there at five, that scares me. And I hate that because I don't know if Sewell's going to be the best prospect available at five. I think there's a very real possibility one of these other guys, Chase Pitts, someone is, is better. And so that's the debate we'll have over the next five weeks, five plus weeks, until we wind down to the 2021 NFL draft. We'll have you covered either way. Speaking of coverage, the Bengals added someone to help in coverage. We'll discuss the newest edition of the Cincinnati Bengals next. We talk about Bilt Bar all the time here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. It's the best protein bar on the planet. They say on the market, I'll tell you, on the planet, they're amazing bars, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing taste in every single one covered in 100% chocolate. And now's the time to figure out which one is best because we know Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar on the planet, but which one's the best? It's time for Built Bar Madness. And you got to check them out at BuiltBar.com or at bar underscore Built on Twitter. Vote every single day on all these matchups so you can help them crown a winner. And while you're at BuiltBar.com, remember to use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. Our guy Malik Wright tweeted that Apple GIF, a GIF, GIF, whatever, a couple days ago. And I was scrambling my brain like, all right, this certainly isn't Eli Apple. He's been, he's been more tangential than that. He's been a little bit more obtuse than that. It's been harder to figure out some of these hints. Not like too hard, but it wouldn't be that easy. Turns out it was Eli Apple, James. Eli Apple, the former 10th overall pick by the New York football giants in 2016, joins the Bengals on a one-year deal. Hasn't had a great career. Was once described as a cancer in the New York Giants locker room before he was traded to the New Orleans Saints. But it was interesting because when he was traded, the guy that called him a cancer later said that I don't know why he was traded. Things in the locker room were going well. So maybe he started to figure it out. Uh, he played with Von Bell in New Orleans. He played with Luana Rumo in New York and kind of fits into a Bengals historical pattern of going after former early corners and trying to rehab their careers. Adam Jones, Terrence Newman, now Eli Apple, is the newest Cincinnati Bengal. That makes three cornerbacks signed. And I tell you what, James, if there was a position I wanted the Bengals to sign three players at, it was on the offensive line, not cornerback. But here we are. Yeah, here we are. And unfortunately, Mike Zimmer's not the one coaching this former first-round corner trying to rehab him. But that's neither here nor there. 
the, the other connection and the other kind of fun story in Ohio State tweeted this. Obviously, Bell and um, Apple were, were teammates at Ohio State. So that's kind of cool. They get to reunite for the third time in their career. And, and look, this isn't some guy that's going to come in or need to be William Jackson the third. He's coming in now to basically be the, the fourth corner and help out with the coverage deficiencies that you have when you're playing Mike Hilton all over the field. I, that, that's how I view it. Because I don't think Mike Hilton's great in coverage. And you're going to use him as a blitzer. You're going to use him all over. And, and yeah, he'll be your nickel sum. But I also think you want to have some depth there. And, and so that, to me, you, you look at the Bengals' top five cornerbacks. And I think that we're, we're going to see a decent amount of all of them if they're healthy. And Trey Waynes, obviously Hilton, um, Awuzie. And then these two, in, in Apple and uh, Darius Phillips. I said these two because we're going to be talking about Phillips in a second. But so to me, it's uh, it's a good depth signing. But you're right. It, it comes back to God dang it, how many how many things does Lou Anarumo get? How many toys is he going to get to play with? When I'm looking over here at our guy Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor, and they need some toys, and not even just those two. Uh, Joe Burrow, can, can we uh, can we add a little bit? In they would say, well, we did. We added Quentin Spain. Well, that, that's not enough. C- can you get more? We need more, please. Yeah, get get one of those right guards we talked about in the first segment. Let's talk a little bit about Eli Apple before we talk about Darius Phillips, who tweeted several things, none of which were terribly pleased, at least apparently with the Bengals. Who knows with player tweets, but they seem to be pretty directed at this signing could be that he's unhappy that they brought in three corners and, and he thought he should be a guy, but I think he, my initial reaction to this James was, Oh, they, they brought him in to see if they can get something out of him. Cause he's a good athlete, right? Good straight line speed was, was again, a top 10 pick and people thought he was overdrafted at the time has had major penalty issues in the NFL. He hardly played in 2020, but in 2019 and 2018 combined, he had 20 penalties. I just said the word 20 a whole lot of times in his career. He's played a total of 3,404 snaps according to PFF and has 30 penalties in that time. I would venture a guess that that is one of the higher numbers of any corner in the NFL. He's also allowed a passer rating of a 100.2 on passes into his coverage. That is on a 61% completion percentage allowed 2,581 yards 13.2 yards per catch, 17 touchdowns allowed against just three interceptions. So obviously has been a bit of a rocky road for Eli Apple. A lot of those numbers did get a little bit better in New Orleans, and he was off to his best start to a year under Lou Anarumo with New York before they traded him, before he got hurt. It'll be interesting to see if this is really anything. To, To me, though, my initial reaction was this is a depth guy. And this is this is an outside corner that they don't want to have to go to LaShawn Sims. LaShawn Sims, every time he was on the field, it was not good. Tony Brown, who they brought back, they, they liked enough to bring him back, had issues in the one game that he got extended runs. So I think if you're Lou Anaruma and you're looking at this and you can get Eli Apple on a cheap one-year deal, he's probably better than last year's corner depth. So in a vacuum, this signing does improve your cornerback depth. Your one through five, assuming Darius Phillips is still on the team, is actually pretty good. But 
Yeah, I mean, it's just another one of those moves where it's like, man, why isn't this Trey Turner or Larry Warford? Like, let's just get it done already, guys. It really, if if they continue this way, then maybe their plan is, hey, we have eight draft picks. Yeah, six of them are going to be on the offensive side. Yep, <laughs> and we're adding two receivers, two offensive linemen. Um, you know, uh, this, that, what, whatever the case is, right? Because maybe it's three receivers and three offensive linemen. <laughs> I don't think anyone would argue that. And those are bigger needs than corner at this point. Like, like it or not, you signed Hilton be- because you thought he could upgrade your defense. And yeah, he does have some coverage issues. Like that is a concern, but that's, uh, that's something I heard is, is, is it was kind of, I agree with you. One, it's an upgrade from Sims. And talent-wise, maybe you can get something out of him. It's it's very much a prove-it type situation for Apple as he mm-hmm. gets another chance. And who knows how many more chances he'll get if it doesn't work with the Bengals. But it it, it almost does. It, it's a backup to, you know, all of these guys that they brought in. And then you're like, well, well, damn, then why didn't you just keep Jackson? You know, if if that's the case and you you need all this depth, but um we'll see. It it could work out. I I again I I think that this team is trying to give Lou Anarumo the pieces he wants. And for better or worse, these are the guys. And I can kind of see the vision, and we'll see if the vision actually means the Bengals are actually better on defense. I do think that their free agency has set them up to go heavy in the draft on the offensive side of the ball. If they draft like 50-50 or, or if they draft somehow more defensive players than offensive players, I would be surprised, but I'm also surprised at their free agency so far. How many times, James, did we talk about that, you know, the approach should be to go heavy on the offensive side of the ball, protect Joe Burrow, figure out the defense later. The Bengals said, nah, we believe in Jeff Hobson's way. We want to build this defense because the defense makes life easier on the quarterback, which is true to some extent. But at this point, can you really imagine? I mean, they've got to invest in the draft heavily on the offensive side of the ball. And this is with them still having a need to improve their pass rush. They still need a three tech. They still need an edge rusher. In my opinion, some guys to rotate in there with the guys they have. And I just don't know where those are coming from at this point. I I believe they're probably still poking around the defensive tackle market a little bit, but they certainly have set themselves up with heavy investment on the defensive side of the ball to go heavy in the draft on offense. And speaking of heavy in the draft on offense, James, got some pro day numbers that are very interesting that we should talk about. Rondale Moore and the Alabama pro days. We'll get into that coming up next. We're in the middle of March Madness. It's coming back this weekend, and Bet Online is there for you if you're ready to put your money on a team that you think is wearing the glass slipper to the ball, the Cinderella story of the season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They've got the rest of March Madness. We've got the NBA. We've got the NHL. We've got baseball about to kick up. They cover awards and TV shows, reality TV. They've got NFL draft props, and we're about to kick into full-on draft season. They've got anything you could ever really want to bet on. Bet online has you covered for news, scores, odds the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Not only is it free to sign up, we've got a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code LOCKEDON when you sign up. BetOnline.ag, use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. James, just before we dive into the 
draft prospects and, and some of the pro days that happened on Tuesday. I really quick want to go back to one thing earlier in the Quentin Spain conversation that I meant to say and forgot to say. And it could very well be that the Bengals see Xavier Suofilo as a starting caliber right guard. They signed him last year to be a right guard. When they talked about, you know, we brought in a free agent right guard and they let John Miller go. That tells us that they were planning on him starting at right guard last year to go along with Mike Jordan at left guard. So it could be, and I don't think this is necessarily the case, that they see Xavier Suofilo as a starting caliber right guard, despite his history at left guard that I talked about earlier. So I still hope they bring in a, a, a guard, but I just I forgot to say that earlier. And you think back to when they signed Suofilo last year, that was the point. And so just putting that point out into the universe, despite what it may or may not mean for the Bengals' future at signing players to play guard. But speaking of a guy who might play guard at the next level, James, Alex Leatherwood did everything but the agility testing down in Alabama. Some good pro day numbers for him. Heck, he might play wide receiver. This man was moving and jumping and going all around. And you're right, he didn't do some of the agility testing, but uh, measured at 6'5", 312 pounds, 85 and 3-8-inch wingspan. That's in the 98th percentile. Ran a sub-5 40-yard dash, 4.96, which is fast as hell when you're talking about a 312-pounder, faster than any of our listeners. That's a challenge. A 34-and-a-half-inch vertical, Jake. Insane. And then uh, a 9-foot-10-inch broad jump, which uh, is in the 99th percentile. This dude tested... Like crazy, obviously a really good athlete and uh, certainly someone I think that's uh, it's on the Bengals radar. And one of the many tackles that they could be looking at, tackle slash guard, however you want to view them, that they could be looking at, especially if they don't take Penny Sewell with the fifth pick. Add them to the list of offensive linemen that are testing just incredibly well. Creed Humphrey put up a perfect 10.0 relative athletic score, meaning he was a 100th percentile performer. And then Sam Cosme did too. I think Sam Cosme was dethroned by Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa, who's now the 10.0 performer at offensive tackle. Quinn Miners, the senior bowl superstar, 99.8th percentile athlete at center. Leatherwood now a 98.5 percentile athlete at, at uh, tackle. He didn't do the agility testing though, which is kind of an asterisk by that score because some of these other guys on the list did do the agility testing and scored higher. Rashawn Slater, another guy, 97.2 percentile. Ben Cleveland, 96. Dylan Raddins, 93. Walker Little, 89. The list goes on. There's a lot of really good athletes at this position, and some of those guys are going to be second and third round players. So, Great day for Leatherwood. He looked like a great athlete on tape. The burst is there. The get-off is there. And that's what the 40-yard dash and the jumps tell you is his burst power, his short area power, his lower body power. I mean, you think about how you jump, right? That's exactly what you're testing there. And, And then obviously the 40 tells you a little bit about his straight line speed. He did have some stiffness on tape and him not running those agility drills does tell you that he probably wouldn't have performed very well at them. So that's why there's an asterisk there. But for the things he does well, he did them very, very well today. And I do wonder, Alabama's having that second pro day. I wonder if he does anything else that he didn't do here. 
and it gives him a, an extra week to do one of those things. Because if I'm Leatherwood, and, and maybe it's too risky in this class, but I'm trying to get into round one if you can, right? And that might sound like a reach or crazy right now, but if he tests well, you never know. That you know, it just takes one team to really love you, and I'm sure that draft grades from these teams are going to vary. It's not going to be the same like the the consensus is here publicly. But um, no, it, it's good to see. And the fact that you just kept going on and on name after name, I think it's worth pointing out again, the Bengals can really upgrade their offensive line in this draft and find starters. But they're, they have to be willing to address offense. And, uh, and, and that's certainly debatable and a question mark here. If they go defense in the first round, Jake, could be a corner. Patrick Sertain Jr. also ran and tested on Tuesday, and he's pretty impressive. At least he he looked impressive just by looking at some pictures I saw. I mean, freak athlete numbers for Patrick Sertain, who with the news about Caleb Farley needing a surgery, a a spine surgery, is very likely, if not a shoo-in, to be the first corner drafted at this point. I don't think we're talking about him for the Bengals anymore, James. I think that Maybe if they had gone in on Kenny Galladay, Matt Filer, or or Joe Tooney, then maybe they could potentially be looking at trading back and taking defense. But they went the defense-heavy route in free agency. And so I I don't necessarily think we're looking at Sertain. But 99.5th percentile athlete, that is incredible stuff. Just across the board, great numbers. He's got the height. He's 6'2". He's got the weight, 208 pounds. He benched really well, 18 reps, his 89th percentile. His vertical, 90th percentile. His broad jump, 96th percentile, so great burst. And then he ran pretty well too, 80th percentile, 40-yard dash. He, he, again, didn't do the agility stuff, which whenever you see a player doesn't do agility, it does concern me a little bit because that probably means that they're not very good at, at those drills because otherwise you would do them. Uh, but not probably a guy that we need to talk about for the Bengals at this point, a guy that maybe we should talk about for the Bengals though. Little hmm, short, not small Rondale Moore. Let's go short, <laughs> not small because he's five, seven, but he's one eighty. I, I mean that he, he weighs more by a, a lot than six foot one Devante Smith. So let's talk a little bit about Rondale Moore, James. Yeah, he, and he tested really, really well. Ran a four two nine, and again, this is unofficial, so maybe it's a little off, but probably, probably close. So he's a speedster, and uh, and certainly needed to test that way after measuring just five seven. And here's the crazy part, Jake: his um, his vertical forty two and a half inches. That would have been the second best at the NFL Combine last year, behind Donovan Peoples Jones, who was at forty four. So. Yeah, he's 5'7", but he can climb the ladder, and, and he's a freak athlete, and, and he's a guy that I, I think that there are going to be teams that look at him as early as late round one, early round two, and certainly someone I think the Bengals will have their eye on um, and monitor. I'm not saying they're going to hone in on him and take him at 38 because there are questions. If you're 5'7", there's a limit to what you can be in the NFL. There just is. And I think it's going to take a creative offense to get to maximize and get the most out of more. And the most interesting thing about more to me is not so much, you know, how he tested. He tested great. I mean, he broke four, three for the 40, ran a four, two, nine, and it's a pro day, but he was moving. He only ran once. 
And he obviously has ridiculous change of direction skill. You can see that on tape. You can see that in his route running videos that are out there. But what's interesting is that he does not get targeted outside the numbers. He does not get target, targeted vertically. He gets targeted in the short part of the field. He takes a lot of he took a lot of jet sweeps for Purdue. He got targeted on a lot of slants, a lot of curl hook kind of stuff. Middle of field, less than 10 yards, and you let him do work with the ball in his hands. And that, I think, is is an interesting aspect of his profile because he has this great speed, right? And he can break your ankles. So you'd think maybe double moves on deep shots, maybe vertical stuff should be pretty good for him. And the agility, the change of direction skill should translate really well in terms of of a release package. But at 5'7", he would have to be a true outlier. And I think he can be, but he would have to be a true outlier to succeed in the NFL. And you would have to have a plan for him. The way we talk about you need a plan for Kyle Pitts, James, you need Mm -hmm. a plan for Rondale Moore. And that's part of it here, too, when you talk about receiver at five versus receiver in round two, because we're getting a lot of that. I've seen it a lot recently. Like, just take a receiver in round two. Well, to me, there aren't many candidates that can end up being your stud wide receiver one type guy in round two. There just aren't. And maybe T. Higgins develops into that, but there aren't many T. Higginses in this draft in that that space, at least. So just something worth noting that that more. Yeah, he is a weapon and he is a threat. I just don't think he's that number one option on an offense in the the next level. You know who could be? Kyle Pitts. Just talked about him. Remember him? Kyle Pitts, 4'4'6". 6'6", 240. Kyle Pitts. Man, you see how I go in circles? Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts. It's just going to keep happening, and we're going to keep perpetuating that circle, I guess, right here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Mock Draft Monday is imminently returning to the show. The weekend mailbag is back this week, so make sure you come back for all the good stuff on Lockdown Bengals. Until next time, who day, and have a good one.